0: Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon is preached on September 3rd, 2023, on the basis of Romans chapter 8, verses 18 to 25. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text for today from Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 18. Paul writes, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we await eagerly for our our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. This is God's word. Creation is groaning. Can you hear it? This last year, there was an estimated 20,000 earthquakes around the globe. This last year in the United States, there were an estimated 1,300 tornadoes. Last year, in the United States, there were 18 natural disasters that rose above the billion-dollar threshold in in damages. Over the last 10 years, we've become well acquainted with names like Dorian, Irma, Maria, uh, Harvey, or Sandy that have wreaked havoc of all kinds as the hurricanes blew on the, the shores of our United States here. Creation is groaning. Can you hear it? Groaning because it's frustrated. And it's frustrated because it's been subjected. Creation will tend to do that to someone. It, it takes someone or something off the path that it was originally intended to go on. If you were subjected, you'd be groaning too. So why should we blame creation? But one might ask, Why? Why is creation groaning? Why has creation been subjected? And one might ask, what has caused this level of dysfunction that, that we witness around us on, on a monthly, daily basis? Simply, sin. That, that three-letter word has caused all of the damage that we see around us. The destruction and the decay... Sin has ruined what God intended to be good. Do you think that the Garden of Eden, in all its perfection in which it was intended, do you think the Garden of Eden ever would have experienced tornadoes and hurricanes? No. It never. Never would the world have known that kind of destruction. Never would the world have seen those kinds of fatalities. When God created the world, he intended it to be perfect. When God gave us creation, he wanted it to last forever. He didn't want his creation to languish. He wanted his creation to flourish and thrive. He didn't want his creation to decay. He wanted his creation to function perfectly forever. (laughs) But the entrance of sin into the world led to what we have today. A remarkably imperfect world, a world full of destruction and decay, a world full of pain and suffering, a world that does not function as it should, and at some point, you're confronted with that, right? At some point, uh, whether that destruction has affected you personally or you just hear about it all the time, you're confronted with that. Why doesn't the world work as it should? Why is there so much destruction and decay? Why is this repetitively, why is this happening why am I constantly seeing this dysfunction? It, it's wearies your soul. And for the Christian, for the Christian, you might have another question. Are we condemned for this fate forever? Is this endless cycle really going to be endless? Will the world always be like this? Because it feels like it will. And if that's our fate, that's kind of a terrible fate. I'm kind of depressing you probably a little bit, huh? But the tone of this text is not one of depression. It's not doom and gloom. The tone of this text is of hope. I want to point again to, to verse 20. If you want to have uh, page 10 open in front of you, the, the text, just so we, we're going to reference it a few times going through here. Uh, verse 20 says again For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation continues to groan, but it has hope. It has hope that it will be liberated and that it will no longer be in the bondage of decay. And that hope is not just some sort of wish. It's not unfounded. It's founded on the, the promises of God. There's actually a really cool section of of Revelation, Revelation chapter 21, where it talks about how the the earth, the the world, his creation, will no longer be in that state of groaning, but it will be made new. Just, Just listen to this for a second. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. and true beautiful promises beautiful promises that creation will one day be made new but until then creation will continue to groan and all those in creation you and i will continue to groan with it now can i anticipate a reaction after what we've talked about so far it sounds kind of pessimistic doesn't it Because essentially, what we're saying is we are doomed to this endless cycle of destruction and decay until either our life ends or the world ends. That that won't stop until God brings this world to an end. Essentially, I'm saying that any human attempt to reverse that destruction or decay is futile. And maybe that sounds pessimistic. But but as the Bible proclaims it to us, it it is realistic that, that the world will continue to groan and we in the world will groan with it and we will have to live through the world's groans. And that's not just the natural disasters that might affect your life immediately, but that's also the illnesses, bereavement, hunger, financial reverses, and death itself. This creation that we live in today will be far from Eden, far from perfection, but I don't really need to convince you of that. I think you're you're pretty well convinced. Creation will continue to groan and us with it. Yet, as you listen to creation's groans, listen also to the Word of God, because the Word of God is going to teach us. It teaches us that that groaning started when sin entered the world, that, that sin was the thing that brought about that corruption, that decay, that destruction. But the Word of God is also going to teach us that, that that decay, corruption, destruction didn't just happen to creation, but it happened to us. And it exists within us. If you can picture, just kind of imagine right now the, the destruction that a tornado or, or hurricane leaves, houses torn apart, lives torn apart. That destruction is terrible, but as, as terrible as that is, the destruction that sin and the devil have brought on our own hearts is worse. And that might be kind of hard to, to accept because we get such, such vivid visuals of, of the destruction of these natural disasters. Could that really be the destruction and decay that, that lives within humanity? Yet we need look no further than the Word of God. That tells us that when God created humanity, he also created humanity to be perfect. He created Adam and Eve in the image of God. They, they, they carried his image around with him. They were perfect. Yet when they fell into sin, they were no longer in the image of God. Uh, Genesis chapter 5 is, is kind of a really interesting section that, that talks about how they now were bearing the image of, of Adam. Not God anymore. They were sinful. That sin had so corrupted the human heart so that humanity was no longer in the image of God, but humanity was described as under God's wrath, objects of his wrath, hostile to him and dead in sin. And we need to look no further than our own heart for evidence of that because as we look into our own heart and our own lives, we see evidence riddled throughout it. Thoughts that reveal the rot of sin that exists in here, and words that that reveal the same. Actions that reveal that our hearts have been corrupted by sin. And the worst part is, we know it. We know that sin causes that kind of destruction, and, and yet, though we know it, we often choose to do it anyways. It's like an addiction, we can't quit. Who could possibly save us from this body of death? You know, the Apostle Paul asked himself that same question just a chapter before this one. In Romans chapter 7, if you want to go home and read Romans chapter 7 today, that would be a good one to read. It is kind of a tongue twister as you read through it. But Paul is giving us this great discourse about the struggle that goes on within him. He knew what was right and he knew what was wrong. He knew what pleased God, and he knew what didn't please God. And yet he confesses that even though he wanted to do what was right... He often found himself doing what was wrong. Even though he wanted to please God, he found himself still sinning. And he came to the conclusion, who could possibly save me from this body of death? Who could possibly save a man who, despite his best efforts, continued to sin? Well, You know the answer. That's why you're all sitting here today. Of course, Jesus is the one that could save us from that when everything else has been stripped away when we realize that, that we can't do that ourselves all that's left the only solution is jesus jesus who's going to make the the creation new and jesus who also makes you new and so if creation's groaning has taught you uh, about just how destructive sin has been on you if creation's groaning has taught you just how little you can contribute to your your own renewal, your own making new. If creation has taught you that the only solution is Jesus, well, we'll then go home today and say a, a prayer of thanks for this groaning world. Because this groaning world is not as it should be, and neither are we. But God's promises remain true. One day he will make this world new again and he has already made you new through the waters of baptism, but he will make you new, perfect again when he takes you to be with him forever in heaven. That's his promise to you. Uh, we started up a catechism class again. Uh, we have a few different avenues of ca- catechism class here. Catechism is essentially just uh, teaching the truths of the Christian faith, and we, we take our seventh and eighth graders uh, through that that course, um, giving giving a, a meat on the bones that, that of fi- the faith that's already there. That's kind of the, the picture anyways. And one of the things in, in catechism that we have our, our students do is sermon summaries. Um, it, it, listening to a sermon is, is a skill um, in some ways, active listening, right? Um, to to li- know the things to listen for, right? So we have our catechism kids fill out sermon summaries, and uh, there's a few questions that help guide them through those uh, sermon summaries like what is the law what is the gospel what am I to do and what should I remember those are things that you can take out of every single sermon you'll hear the law gospel in every single sermon right so one of my encouragements each year um, and normally I have to say it a few times is uh, we, we know the law every catechism student does pretty well at that they can walk away saying what the the law is in the sermon but the gospel uh, that, that's a little harder it's a little harder for us to, to grasp sometimes. Now, now, the gospel, plain and simple, is, is this. God sent his own son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and offer that perfect life as a sacrifice for sin on the cross. And, and after he af- offered his life as a sacrifice for sin on the cross and spent three nights, three days in the, in the tomb, that he would be raised to life to defeat death and all who believe in Jesus and his work will be saved. That's the gospel, plain and simple. But when I have them fill out the sermon summaries, I, I want them to know that gospel. But I, I don't want that verbatim every single time because that's not how the Bible speaks either. Uh, the gospel has been described as, as like a diamond, right? A diamond is beautiful as a whole, as you look at it as a whole. But as you examine it up close, it has all kinds of sides and angles. And as you, you turn the diamond, you get different shimmers of beauty And so too the gospel. God doesn't communicate the gospel in the exact same way in all the books of the Bible, but he gives us these different angles as he turns the diamond because he wants to communicate to you all of the comfort that he intends to give. And he does that in in this section too. So I'm going to pick out a few phrases here just to to give give you the the turning of that diamond for this, this section here. He mentions the glory that will be revealed in us. And then in another phrase, he says, brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Because we were born into sin, our bodies are born with corruption, in decay. We are decaying from the moment we are born, right? We know that our lives will end in the grave. But what God has implanted through, through baptism, through the work of the Holy Spirit, is life. Life that is truly life. That's how the Bible talks about it, which means that after your your, body has died, you will continue to live. You will continue to live, and let's connect it to another uh, phrase here. He says, The redemption of our bodies, that we're looking forward to this. As Christians, we believe that just as Jesus rose from the dead, we too will rise with him. One day we will be made new. Our body and soul will be with Jesus forever in heaven, and we will be perfect. At that point, your body will not be decaying. It will not be subject to, to frustration or, or destruction. But, but it will live in perfection with your Savior forever when you are made new. That's the promises that God has for us as children of God. That's another thing he calls us, and he brings another, another phrase here, the adoption of to sonship. He, he has adopted you. He has given you the full rights of, of a son through, through the waters of, of baptism, through the faith that he's given you in the Holy Spirit. You are children of God. You are part of his family. And God doesn't turn his back on his family. God is dedicated to his family. He loves his family. That's your identity now. And, and it, go, it, it has awesome benefit in this life, but also in the one come that's the diamond that he's turning giving us different pictures and nuances of the gospel here but all of that just makes up our hope the gospel is our hope and as he says our hope it's not just a wish it's a sure thing built on the promises of God it's something that we look forward to and in verse 24 he says for in this hope we were saved the gospel is the hope that saved us so, as Christians now, living in a groaning world, we have patient endurance because the world's going to continue to groan and we're going to continue to groan with it, but we have something to look forward to, a hope that is sure set aside for us. This text is kind of interesting for, for, for me, uh, timely in, in some ways. Uh, it talks about the, the birth pains, right? We, we just had a little one, Leo. And although I can't speak from firsthand experience, I got to witness uh, that, that whole process here. I want to read that verse again uh, to keep it in front of us. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. Like I said, I can't speak from firsthand experience, but, but I, I witnessed this, and, and uh, I think uh, women can attest childbirth is not a, a, a pleasant process. Um, it's painful. It's painful. As many medical advancements as we've made, we've been able to, to make some things more comfortable, but it's, it's uncomfortable. It's painful. And it probably always will be, right? But, but he's using, Paul's using that picture to, to make an illustration here for us. Because as painful as childbirth may be, people still willingly enter into that more than once. Sometimes many times, right? And, and why? Is it because we're crazy? Maybe, but no, we're not crazy. It's because there's joy after that child has been born. A joy that, that makes you forget your your pain and that uncomfortableness that, that you experienced, right? Paul's making that comparison here. That that Christians live in a world that makes makes them uncomfortable. It's painful. There's suffering there. But but Christians are awaiting that joy that will come when Jesus comes back again. Let me, let me read these words from Jesus himself. Jesus said this in, in the book of John. He said, A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you. Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy." Here's what that means. You will live in a groaning world. Creation will continue to groan and, and you with it. You will, you will have to, to suffer through a lot of that, right? Life, life will include a lot of suffering, but we wait with patient endurance because we know that we have that joy waiting for us in heaven that Jesus has set aside for us. And we know, as Paul said, that that our present sufferings do not compare to the glory that will be revealed in us. Let us pray. Lord God, it's not easy to live in a world with so much suffering and pain, in a world that continues to groan. When we experience that pain and those groans, let it remind us of what we were before you, sinners. But also pour into our hearts the hope of the gospel, that what we were, we are no longer. Now we are your children and now we wait pa- now we patiently endure until we can be with you our father. Give to us the strength that only your gospel can give. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey Pastor Wilkie here, thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Hey, could you do us a favor? Could you hit like or, or subscribe on wherever you're listening to this podcast? That really helps us get seen by more people so that more people might hear about Jesus and, and hear the same message that you're hearing. We hope you, you come back and, and enjoy a, another sermon next week. God bless.